So what does a basic physics equation have to do with your finances? And what could it possibly have to do with real estate investing? Well, stay tuned to this episode of Real Estate Revenue. We're going to talk about that and what this equation could do for your future and for your finances. Real Estate Revenue. Hey everybody, this is Paul Airy. Welcome to Real Estate Revenue. So in this episode, we're going to talk about physics. Isn't that fun? Uh, Before we get into that though, Uh, I need to say something. Uh, I mean, this is a new podcast, so we don't have a lot of listeners yet. Don't have a lot of downloads. Uh, That's kind of even an understatement. Uh, We have very few downloads. And that's why I appreciate the people who have listened so far. I appreciate them so much. Uh, And I noticed, looking at the analytics of the podcast, that we have a couple of listeners from overseas. One at least one in Germany, and at least one in India. And I say at least one because there have been a couple of downloads for each country, uh, I think three or four from Germany, actually. So so it could be one person. It could be uh, more than one. But anyway, if this is you, if you're in Germany listening to me, and or if you're in India listening to me, thank you for, for tuning into this podcast. And I, I'm really glad that I've got... Uh, listeners in other countries. Uh, I've been to Germany, uh, love that country. I have not been to India yet, but I really want to go there. Uh, I have some friends from there and they keep telling me all these great things about it and I want to go. So hopefully I'll get to make that trip someday. Uh, But anyway, thanks for listening and I hope this information is relevant to your country. Uh, I don't know if it is. Uh, I have been told that a lot of the tax laws in real estate are pretty much relevant in every country. Uh, And the basic principles of real estate, of course, should be, uh, depending on your country's laws. So anyway, welcome. Welcome to the show. And uh, hope you keep coming back and, and bring some of your friends. So today's episode, kind of an odd subject, but it makes sense when you think about it. My mother used to always tell me this phrase. You may have heard it too. I'm sure that, uh, uh, especially in the United States, it's a common popular phrase, and it has been around for decades. And that saying is, uh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And I didn't understand that until I started getting richer. And I'm not by any means uh, what I would consider rich, but I'm getting there. And now I know why that saying makes sense. Sadly, though, people use that as an excuse to not get rich. They use it as an excuse to stay poor, and they use it as a, a means of blaming somebody else for their financial problems. So uh, here's how... you. Uh, here's how that works, and here's why that's actually true. 
Uh, I, I didn't used to believe it, but now I, but I do. Um, and, and it's not that the rich people have done something to the poor people. And that's how that saying is always used. It's like they're getting rich because we're getting poor. And that is not true. They're getting rich because they figured it out. All the rich people in the world, most of the, I'd say probably 90% of the rich people in the world used to be poor. They didn't inherit that money. It wasn't given to them. They worked hard for it, and they figured out how to get rich. Uh, you look at uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, those guys, Steve Jobs, um, Bill Gates, they started off poor. Every one of those billionaires started off poor. They figured out the tools they needed to get rich. They, they, figured, out how, they figured out a formula for getting rich, the secret, not much of a secret, might even be a a subject for another episode, Um, but it's really no secret, it's no secret, it's just that they learned it and other people haven't learned it, the people who haven't learned it are always going to be poor, so let's get down to the uh, why the rich get richer and the poor get poor, so in physics, what does this have to do with physics, so I, I was a physics major in college, and I, one of the equations we learned, a very basic one, was for momentum. Uh, momentum equals mass times velocity. Uh, very simple equation. If you think about this in terms of finances, what does that have to do with finances? Well, how about financial momentum? One thing I learned when I started making money and increasing my income was that the more money I had, the more I made. Now, surely, you know, you're probably listening to this thinking, well, of course, that makes sense. Well, it, it does, but you know what? Most people don't think about that. And they don't think about how they can make that work for them. So, in that equation, momentum equals mass times velocity. Momentum of an object equals mass of the object times its velocity. Make your object money. Make your velocity your rate of return. Because if you think about it, it is a rate of return. If you have a a 10% rate of return on a building, on a property that you buy, you're you're talking about an annual rate of return. So you're you're earning 10% per year. So if you have a million-dollar building, you're earning $100,000 per year. That's your velocity. So financial momentum equals the amount of money that you have times your rate of return or the velocity. So the amount of money you have is the mass. Rate of return is the velocity. So the more money you have, the higher your financial momentum is going to be and the more money you'll get. In that equation... Hopefully this is not boring for everybody. Sorry, I have to be a little bit of a nerd today, and uh, hopefully you can access your inner nerd and and go along with this. Uh, So you take your your mass of money. As that increases, if the rate of return, even if it just stays the same, your mass of your pile of money there increases, so you're going to make more money out of that, right? It's very simple. Or if you have the same amount of money, but your rate of return increases, you're going to make more money. So your momentum goes up. You, you gain momentum. Your momentum 
uh, depends on how much you have, how fast it's moving. That's how the rich get richer. They make more money. They keep putting it back in to their pile of money, to, in other words, their investments. They get that rate of return. It increases their money. They put that money back in to their investments. They get that rate of return on that money, which is a bigger pile now, and it goes on and on from there. So you see how that works. That's how the rich get richer. Here's how the poor get poorer. So the poor get poorer because their pile of money, their mass of money is lower, and their rate of return is usually zero. So what happens when you multiply something by zero? You get zero. So their their financial momentum is zero. Now you couple that with debt, credit card debt. I'm talking about the bad kind of debt, the debt that does not give you cash flow. You have credit cards. You're paying on credit cards. You're probably never going to pay them off if you're paying the minimum amount. You're paying higher interest rates. You're, you have a negative cash flow. So that means your rate of return is actually negative. Even if it was just zero, it would be, you'd have a zero financial momentum. And if it's a negative rate of return, your momentum, what does that mean? It's slowing down. So that's why the poor get poorer. And it's not because of anything that anyone else has done to them. It's because they haven't figured out that they need to stop using their credit cards. They need to uh, stop the behavior. <clears throat> this is all this is all a behavior-based outcome here. They need to stop the behavior that they're engaging in that's using up all their money. So, you know, there's another thing called Parkinson's Law, and it, it this guy wrote a paper, Parkinson wrote a paper, uh, to describe bureaucracies and, and how they work, and uh, he came up with something called Parkinson's Law, and Parkinson's Law states that uh, whatever amount of time you allocate to a task, that task will expand to fill that amount of time. So if you give somebody 10 days to do a job, the job will be a 10-day job. But if you tell them, well, we have to get this done in two days, they'll figure out a way. They'll get it done in two days. So whatever amount of time you give someone to do a task, that's how, how much time it's going to take. Well, it works with money, too. Uh, if you apply Parkinson's Law to money, your expenses will always rise to meet your income. So whatever your income is, you'll find a way to have enough expenses to meet that income. In other words, your sum gain is still going to be zero because your expenses, you've spent more money. Um, and that's kind of human nature. I know people that make a million dollars a year and they don't, they couldn't buy a car right now. I mean, they, it's crazy, but they have the cash flow. They have the income, but they have a negative cash flow to counteract it. All the money goes out somewhere else. So even though they can make a million dollars a year, in my book, they're poor. They don't have any, they can't, they can't do anything with that money. They're in debt.
So the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. We've proven it mathematically now. So, uh, so that statement's true, but uh, it's misused terribly. So over time, people have used that statement uh, to blame the rich people for poor people being poor. And uh, it doesn't work that way. You know, that's not how it works. So you can use this idea in your investing strategies. Uh, and it doesn't have to be real estate. It could be anything. It could be cryptocurrencies, one of my, one of my newfound uh, passions that I'm uh, interests. I'm uh, very interested in cryptocurrencies. Um, and you can use it in, if you're a stock person, you like to invest in stocks, you know, it's the same thing. The principle works with every kind of investment. So, uh, increase your pile of money, increase your rate of return, your momentum goes up and it's, it's like a snowball. Now let's get back to this secret that these wealthy people have found. Let's talk about the billionaires because everybody knows who they are. Uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, Elon Musk, Tesla, uh, Bill Gates, Microsoft, Steve Jobs, Apple. Um, uh, there are some others. Um, most of these people, uh, they, well, all of them, they have made their fortunes. Tom Bilyeu is an interesting one. I don't know if you ever listen to Tom Bilyeu, his great podcast interviews, some amazing people. He started a company um, called Quest, which uh, they made uh, nutritional products, protein bars, and uh, I had some other uh, protein, high-protein chips, I believe it was, something like that. Um, He uh, created that company, built it from scratch, um, well, with his wife. They built it from scratch, built it up, sold it, I believe they sold it for over a billion dollars. Uh, Jamie Kern Lima uh, started a cosmetics company in her apartment with her husband and fought and fought to build that company, finally built it up. Uh, L'Oreal, I believe, bought it for $1.2 billion. So what do all these people have in common? They discovered the secret. It's such a simple thing. And I spent most of my life trying to figure out how these people get rich. And I didn't understand, and now I do. The secret is this. You have to solve someone's problem. You have to provide solutions to people. You have to add value. You have to provide a value to someone. And when you can do that, they will give you money. They will pay you money. You don't have to cheat anybody. You don't have to uh, steal from anybody. And as far as I know, these people did not. You don't have to be a tyrant. You just have to provide value to someone. Find a group of people that has a problem. Solve that problem. Provide them with the value of a solution. And they will pay you money. It's one of the things real estate does. When you buy an office building, you're providing a solution to a problem. The problem is that somebody needs an office. They need an office that works for them, their type of office. And if you have that, you provide that to them, and you provide a nice office that gives their company value, makes their company look good, um, they're going to pay you money for it. And uh, they'll pay you usually a lot of money 
in in an office building might have you know multiple tenants it might be a single tenant but e- either way you're providing them a space it's something they need they're going to pay you for that space and they'll pay you money for it they'll pay you a lot of money for it uh, and the same goes with any kind of commercial real estate even uh, apartments that's my least favorite commercial real real estate investing uh, but uh, it's the same thing people need a place to live you're going to provide them that and they pay you money for it uh, unless there's a pandemic and then somebody comes comes along and says you don't have to pay your rent and that's why this is uh, my least favorite form of real estate investing is residential or you know apartments because um, it's too government regulated I don't know about in other countries, but in the United States, housing is very regulated by the government. Other commercial real estate property types are not so much. Uh, I have a theory about that. I believe it's because a lot of politicians invest in commercial real estate. That's why we have such good laws here. Uh, I don't know about other countries, but in the United States, we have really good laws uh Tax laws uh, for real estate, for commercial real estate. And it's because most congressmen, most representatives and senators, a lot of them invest in commercial real estate, and they write the laws. So why would they not give themselves the best advantage that they can? So um, anyway, I kind of got off there a little bit. But, uh, but that's really the secret, create value for people. Now, people on the poor end of the scale, they haven't figured that out yet. Uh, When they do, they will move up to the other end of the scale. When they figure out that they can provide value to someone and they will pay them money for it, and they can figure out which value needs to be provided the most, which, which solution will solve a widespread problem, which solution will pay them the most money, they'll start to move up that scale. They may not make it all the way up to the other end. They may only make it to the middle. They might make it to the bottom of the rich scale. Uh, But you know what? They're better off than they were when they were poor. Uh, When you're spending money on cigarettes and alcohol and buying it with credit cards or when you're, uh, you know, paying for food with credit cards, and I I am not going to criticize somebody for doing that because I've done that myself when I have been broke enough that I had to. Uh, but that's the trap that you fall into. And it's, uh, it's not that you intend to do that, but sometimes when you're broke, you get desperate. You have to buy food. You have to feed your family. You have to, you know, you have to have to pay for things. Just keep in mind that when you get a credit card in the mail and it has a $10,000 credit limit, that doesn't mean somebody just gave you $10,000 that you can spend. And that's kind of the mindset that a lot of uh, people on the low income scale have gotten into. And they were taught that. And it's not their, they didn't, they didn't get that from experience. I mean, they're taught that from uh, the time their children watching their parents buy things with credit cards, watching the TV commercials, telling them, uh, you know, oh, it's easy, just use your credit card, pay it off, you know, and, and nobody pays them off is the problem. And uh, so it's like a drug. 
that they get sucked into and uh, it's hard to get out. So when somebody says that to me, I always have to stop and think, have to stop myself from reacting. When they tell me, oh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, I have to stop myself from reacting to that in uh, in my in a reflex reflexive manner. I have to think, well, they don't know yet. They don't know why that is. So hopefully this podcast episode will help some people figure out why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and that it's not something that was done to you. It's something that uh, rich people who used to be poor have figured out and that they can figure it out too. If Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, who started from middle-class roots of Steve Jobs and his uh, early partner Steve Wozniak can start in their garage and create uh, something that changed the world. Uh, they can do it too. They can figure out if they just have to, they just have to think and figure out uh, what value, what solution they can provide to the world. So uh, that's really it for this episode. I hope that gives you something to think about. I hope that uh, I'm not trying to get you to start studying physics or anything, but some of those things we always uh, learn in school and we always say, well, what does that have to do with the real world? Well, here's an example of what that has to do with the real world. And, uh, you know, our math teachers don't always know those things to tell us about it. If they did, maybe we'd be more interested in learning math and physics to begin with. But here's the thing. Uh, you can learn it now. I mean, you don't have to go study physics, but uh, learn about real estate, learn about finances. And uh, study some people who have been successful. Study some personal growth people. They will tell you some of the same things. And, you know, I, I mean, that's kind of the space that we're in. My wife and I are in that business, coaching and personal development. Uh, I'm going to tell you a secret. Uh, we don't teach anything new that somebody else hadn't already taught. We don't do anything different. Um, there are so many people out there that do this. Uh, and I'll, I'll name some of the big names. Uh, I can think of them. Tony Robbins, uh, people that you're, you're John Maxwell, uh, Ed Milet, uh, people like that. You know, everybody listens uh, a lot of people listen to those guys and i wonder how many people realize they're all saying the same things just in a slightly different way um nobody has any there's not a lot of original material out there in that industry and uh, uh most most of it is uh restated in a different way by a different person the thing is i have people that i like to listen to uh like um well, for example, Jim Rohn, I'm not crazy about listening to him. I don't get the same thing out of his voice, out of his topics and the way he presents it as I would out of, say, uh, Earl Nightingale or Bob Proctor. You know, uh, I, I get more out of them because for some reason I like listening to them more. Uh, so there was uh, one person, his name's Paul Martinelli, uh, used to be involved with the John Maxwell team. He said, you have to uh, find the right voice to listen to. And he is absolutely correct. 
you can hear the same material from two different people. One of them's going to resonate with you and one of them won't. So that is uh, what I'm encouraging you to do. Find somebody, find a voice to listen to and uh, see what you can learn about finances. Uh, you may not learn it from me. You might learn it from somebody else. I'm certainly no financial expert. I'm not a financial advisor, so don't take anything I tell you as financial advice. I'm just saying this is why this happens. This is why that happens. And these are my opinions. So uh, anyway, that's it for this time. And I will see you next week on the next episode of Real Estate Revenue. Hope you make it back. And I hope you guys in Germany and India come back. Send, send me some more people. I'd love to, hear, I'd love to hear from you. One of these days, I'll set up a way for you to contact me. Thank you. <laughs>